Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I am here today with Chris Porden, who I had the pleasure of meeting through the Cancun Expats group on Facebook. And we've had a little bit of a chance to chat about his overseas life redesign. And he's been kind enough to join us for today. Thank you so much, Chris, for taking the time out of your schedule to do this interview. And I'm excited to share your story. You've done some pretty amazing things, it sounds like. So welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Dawn. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I love uh, what you told me about uh, your mom saying that you are sustainably homeless. And I think, uh, I think I have my title for your episode. <laughs> I think it is an apt description. It's, uh, it's appropriate because I've kind of incrementally figured out a way to avoid long-term commitments to places and things. And in a sense, I think it's amusing to people like my mother and certainly others in my life that I've found a way indeed to make a really ridiculous seeming lifestyle sustainable and manageable. Awesome. Well, well, that sounds great. I remember the first time I, I read something about that was the four hour work week, uh, Tim Ferriss's book. Uh, from years ago. Uh, did that? Did you ever have uh, an opportunity to read that? You know, I read Tim Ferriss as a teenager, and I was really inspired by the idea of the four-hour work week. But I think in my youthful ignorance, I may have missed part of his point, which was not that you should be aiming to work four hours a week. There's probably more you can do with your time. Tim's point, as I now understand years later, was that you can 10x your productivity by developing the right habits. And it took me some time to get around to that, but I think my personal goals and professional goals have probably shifted as I've had that realization. <laughs> well, good. Um, well, take us back. When, how did this all, all come to be? Yeah, you know, I had, I think, a very normal life. Um, I'm back home in New York. I was working in politics, so maybe it's not as normal as <laughs> certain other things could be, but I was approaching a point in my late 20s where I was just dissatisfied uh, with my career, with my lifestyle. And I had never really taken time as an individual to go and travel and experience new things. And I felt so stuck that I, I was at a party one time with friends and someone else who was kind of in those late 20s doldrums, like I think a lot of people of my generation and maybe of any other will go through, was saying that it would be such a, a dream come true to just pick up and go travel without any worry in the world and just go from place to place, experiencing new cultures and people and places. And maybe you take odd jobs along the way to get by, just not a care in the world. And too bad that that's not possible. And I remember thinking in the moment, well, sure, it's possible. Yeah, I could do it. I was always a bit overconfident when it came to taking on big challenges. and. Over the next several months, 
I ended up putting the mechanisms in place to do it. And so a few months later, uh, having quit my job, moved out of my apartment, broken up with my girlfriend. I mean, I made all the big moves. And in one fell swoop, I, I booked a one-way flight to London. And I didn't return from Europe for the following two years. Um, it had begun. And what was that like? Well, I mean, certainly pieces of it that live up to your expectations or exceed them, but others that are just a complete surprise. You know, I thought that I might just kind of wander for a while. I booked one week of accommodations in a hostel in London to start off with. So I was thrown into this world of backpackers on gap year, uh, returning from university in Australia and in Germany and uh, cultures all around the world that I found out do this all the time. You know, growing up in the U.S., this was a big surprise to me that, oh, yeah, it's totally normal to take six or 12 months and just go backpack, go explore. So I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to be falling into now. I'm going to be on that interrail train on my way from Amsterdam to Brussels to Prague, um, having this big Euro trip. But instead, my first week there in London, I ended up making friends with a South African vagabond named Peter. He was in London on his way up to the north of England, where he was working as a tree surgeon. And Peter and I became fast friends, and he invited me to come along. And I said, well, this was kind of what I was bargaining for, a totally open book, blank slate, say yes to adventure. So I was on a train up to Leeds in West Yorkshire, up in the north of England, close to the Scottish border. And I arrived a few days after Peter to meet him at the accommodations that he had planned for us, which was the broken down caravan um, in a junkyard down by the river on a half working pig farm um, on the outskirts of a small market town that no one had ever heard of, uh, where we were going to be feeding and cleaning the pens of pigs in the morning and then cutting down trees all day around Northern England. So I went from my office job <laughs> and my <laughs> nice apartment with all my nice things. I threw it all away. And the first thing I did was I became a day laborer in the middle of nowhere, Northern England. Wow. And uh, that gave me so, uh, certainly some pause and, and some time for reflection sitting up there in, in, uh, in the woods, uh, you know, roasting fresh rabbit over a fire that had been given to me as a gift from you know, a farmer's wife earlier that day when we <laughs> delivered firewood to her. You know, it, it just, it, it was fully immersive. I went zero to a hundred. <laughs> right wow. away. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, big big eye opener for you, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um, different different life lifestyle. Wasn't exactly what I expected. And and after that, did you end up moving around a little bit more? Uh, yeah. So I ended up staying for months because you know what? As funny as that whole scenario that I just described might sound, I met some amazing people, and I found that even though there are certain reputations about certain places in the world that you've got to get there and see it for yourself. You've got to meet the people and find out. Um, I found that Yorkshire and, and the North of England, I found to be incredibly warm places. Um, but in the more literal sense, winter was setting in. Um, so I'm, I made my way to Barcelona awesome. and, <laughs> and it was time, it was time for a bit of actual backpacking. And I spent many months wandering across the Mediterranean region, um, from Spain to France, to Italy, to Greece, down to Israel and Palestine. Um, and in that time I did take on some other odd jobs and volunteer in some hostels and all kinds of fun stuff that was just so, it was so different from the very professional kind of career that I had had. 
you know, I wasn't wearing a suit and tie anymore. With a big smile on my face, I'd get sent to a guest room to fix a leaky faucet. It was the best. It was the best time of my life. It was really incredible. You're really happy. Yeah. But there was a problem, you know, which was, uh, you know, I was mostly living off of savings at that point. And uh, this was not going to be possible to continue forever. What year was this, Chris? How, um... I made my clean break from my old life around this time, April, in 2016. So we're just oh. coming up on about four years since this big shift in okay. lifestyle. Okay, so not that long ago. Um, did you did you have any fear at all as you you did this? Were you did you have any safety concerns or or anything like that, or did you just throw caution to the wind and I'm going and not really give too much thought about that? I'm probably too irresponsible or stubborn to prioritize the kinds of safety concerns that I should in certain places. Um, for instance, when I was in the West Bank. Uh, during my visit to Jerusalem, I would cross over into the West Bank to do some sightseeing. Some months later, I, I talked to a friend who works for the State Department who had once been stationed at the U.S. consulate in Jerusalem. And I found out that they run regular military convoys with armored vehicles and, and really high-level security through some of those same East Jerusalem, West Bank neighborhoods where I was just obliviously walking around with my camera around my neck, white guys snapping photos, waving to kids, uh, just having a great day. And granted, while I'm certainly not as much of a target as maybe a high-level diplomat, it was still a bit shocking for me to realize just the level of ignorance <laughs> for me to go wandering around in some of these neighborhoods. Um, but that said, I try every day to get smarter about safety and security, but, but I think people are a lot better than we give them credit for, especially yeah. in some of the more troubled places in the world. The, the bigger fears would always be related to uncertainty when making these kinds of choices. Um, I never knew what was to lay ahead of me. And, and I would often not even have an itinerary in mind in those days. I was traveling rapidly. Sometimes I'd spend a week in a place, sometimes a couple days. Um, other times I would find reason to stay for months. But often I wouldn't know in the morning where I would be that night. And mm -hmm. as exciting as that is, it can also become rather exhausting. And yeah. it does lead one to eventually slow down a bit. <laughs> uh huh. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You ha you have a military background, too. That's right. I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. I had signed up on my 18th birthday, and then I left for boot camp in Paris Island uh, two days after high school graduation. And so that uh, on on and off over the following eight years ended up being a pretty major part of my life. So it wasn't as if you weren't without skills, let's say, <laughs> right, in terms of self-defense and, and, you know, the training that you had uh, in the military. Immediately, what came to mind in terms of skills was probably, you know, being able to take just some really limited ingredients and whip up a delicious meal. But you might be right about some of that, too. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking more like instincts. <laughs> Right, like like being able to size up a, a situation and your and situational part. awareness, being aware of your surroundings and understanding, and also just the essentially problem solving when you're in a seemingly impossible situation. A lot of those things certainly come into play. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, so how did how did that that two year period end? I mean, did you, did you run out of money or uh, uh, energy or? <laughs> it was probably some some of both, but um, I did run out of money. 
And I had, I think I had cashed in my last retirement account. And, and really, I mean, talk about living with the consequences of your choices. I was, I was making very deliberate decisions um, to focus on the lifestyle change that I had committed to with the hope and the confidence that I would be able to rebuild in the future. And it was about a shift in priorities. So I knew what was coming, which was that I needed to find some way to make this sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I had met uh, a girl in Greece. Um, we were in love. I didn't want to leave. She didn't want me to leave. But Greece was in the middle of its own economic crisis. And as I was certainly experiencing one myself, and the options were to return home to the United States and essentially pick up the pieces of my old life um, or to try to find a way forward. And one thing that had not occurred to me up until that point was to find work that was location independent, that uh, would suit the skill sets that I had coming from backgrounds in marketing, sales, public relations and communications, the kinds of things I had done in politics and in building my own business in the past. Um, So I started looking online and I found a surprisingly long list of such opportunities. Many of them American companies that are looking to leverage the lower cost of living in either other states and cities or in other countries to be able to run a remote workforce um, at a lower cost. And I started applying for these kinds of jobs and, you know, I, I got very fortunate that one of the first ones that I reached out to ended up becoming a company I'd worked for, for, well, well, probably the second half of my time in Europe and then another year while I was in Latin America, so over two years um, of a nine to five reliable, steady job that I was able to dial into remotely. And it started from there. I'm on a, a second company now that, that I've moved to. Um, while continuing to weigh my own entrepreneurial endeavors as options for the future. Um, But as far as the digital nomad routine goes, I really won the lottery. Um, I think many, many more people are able to make this lifestyle work through their own initiative and grit to build their own business. Um, I was able to luck into a compatible job with uh, somebody who had already done a lot of that heavy lifting. Okay. So a question that comes to mind is, all right, you had this, you know, really cool two-year period, you know, footloose and fancy free, you get to travel the world, have all these great experiences. How do you deal with that from an employment standpoint, like the first time, right? Did you, how did you, how'd you spin that as a salesperson? Yeah, (laughs) I I actually, I have a simple guide for you of how to do it. And that's lean into it. Um, And you, you, there will be an element of luck involved in finding the right people. And maybe this will speak to whether you're compatible to work for those kinds of people to begin with is, do they think it's cool? Right. Do they, do they, are they, are they buying the dream? And, and so I called that period, my professional sabbatical and yeah. I emphasize, and I mean, it's on my LinkedIn profile to this day, professional <laughs> sabbatical where I learned how to use a chainsaw 20 meters up in a sycamore tree learned how to give birth to baby piglets uh, manually, um, you know, raced camels across the Israeli desert, uh, you know, attended Oktoberfest with the giant stein in hand. I mean, all of these kinds of things that if you're talking about the right employer who values somebody on their team who has a well-rounded perspective on the world, can talk to anybody, and has all of these kinds of amazing stories, whether it's for a sales job or not, I think there are a lot of 
entrepreneurs, bosses, hiring managers who just plain Love think that. that's cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and yeah. so you need to be able to use that to your advantage and not let it be something that detracts from your likelihood of getting a job. It's really about how you market yourself. Is it consistent with your personal brand and can this actually be a net benefit for you? Excellent. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Professional sabbatical. Well, and, and it wasn't like you, I, maybe it would, would be, I don't know if it'd be harder or, or easier to do it when you're younger. Like you went into the military right away if you did that right away um, out of school. Yeah, probably okay. But the fact that you had this other career and the, you know, the strength of your military background probably gave you some balance. Um, with that too. So yeah. like you, you yeah. had a track record to go along with it. Um, and that's then, right. yeah, that's, that's like right. the frosting on the cake, right? Plus I've had right. all these worldly experiences um, and being able to position yeah. it like that. I think I was well prepared for that. And there, it was a balanced kind of story, but I, I think, you know, it's also, people do like a story of renewal yes. and it's, uh, I'm able to tell this true story of how I had this whole life before and uh, it, there was a pivotal catalytic moment where I decided that I needed to change. And I don't know, I think some people might look on the, upon that as a positive character trait as well. Um, it's important in business. It's important in work, you know, knowing, knowing when to fold them, knowing when to make a big change or a strategic shift. And I think a lot of people look back on their life with regret because they didn't make those big changes when the time was right to do so. Or, well, maybe the time's never right. But even at an inconvenient time, making the, the difficult choices to make a big change. That's one of the tough parts of having these kinds of radical makeovers in lifestyle is the time is never going to be right. You've got to make the decision to do it anyway. And and I would um, I would even put forth that sometimes that's the best time to make a change is when, you know, like I just read an article about that today with everything that's going on now with the pandemic and, you know, that, you know, hey, things are changing. Like you say, lean into it. And, yeah. you know, if you were thinking about making a change, like now's the time because um, yeah. things are, are changing. Well, I'm hopeful that the future of remote work is going to be even brighter as a result, one silver lining of this pandemic, and that w it will allow more people to enjoy those kinds of freedoms to move with location independence to wherever they want to be. Absolutely. I, I think that is um, inevitable under the circumstances. Well, great. I'm going to take a quick break at, um, right now, and we'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results from buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. 
visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, raising the bar in vacation property management. We're back with Chris here. All right. So let's go back to uh, your, your first employer. You then did you set up shop overseas or were you back in the States at the end of that, that trip? Where, where were you physically located? Yeah. So I, I started that job working from home in Greece, sitting in a studio apartment in Thessaloniki with a little laptop, little netbook that I had not intended to do any serious work off of when I left home with it. But the budget was shoestring. And so I made do for a while. And as I continued on from Greece, you know, unfortunately, my visa ran out in the Schengen area, and I, I had to had to make my way outside of the European Union. Um, as I traveled through Bulgaria and Romania and Ukraine, this long swing through Eastern Europe, I found that the, the low cost of living made it such that I could treat myself to things like a membership at a co-working space and things like that. And, and so in that way, I was able to very effectively perform in that job uh, for, for a long time until eventually it was just time to pay a visit home. And um, I did visit the United States you know, while uh, in that employ, but I, I didn't stay long. And I ended up continuing through Latin America, backpacking from Mexico down to Colombia. And, and it was around as that South America trip was wrapping up that I started looking at other opportunities and found that now that I had built up this additional skill set of having worked in a position like this remotely, um, I now had a lot of opportunities available to me. And that's when I started looking at you know, other options. Okay. Um, so when you went back, did you spend uh, any time in the United States when you went back, a significant amount of time, or was it, is, was it more or less just, just visiting? It was really be visiting, but I, I, as I've been traveling so much in these last few years, I've really started slowing down to where I don't like to go to a place for less than a few weeks. So whether it's visiting home or, or making a trip to go see, it doesn't appeal to me if I'm going to spend so much time hopping in and out of shuttle buses and walking through airports and these days probably getting your nose swabbed. <laughs> and uh, so I try to make any of these trips a bit lengthier and I would spend maybe a, you know, a month visiting friends and family in the New York area, uh, a month or more, even in Florida, if it's winter time, <laughs> I certainly don't mind visiting South Florida and getting to spend some time there. But over the last few years, um, I've really spent, on the whole, only a small fraction of my time in the United States. I've been pretty much a classic expat at this point in the sense that you won't see me around to the U.S. very often. Right. And, and what is it like going back to the United States after living abroad for so long? People definitely have it right when they talk about that reverse culture shock of heading home. Um, but I think when I make a short trip, you know, a few weeks to a month back to the U.S., that's just the right amount of time for me to, to be very positive about it, um, where I only see the good and I'm really enjoying things that I missed about it, whether it's foods that you're unable to access overseas as an expat or just some of the perks of being in a highly developed country uh, with a, develop, a highly developed economy. I remember walking into a public supermarket in Florida after being away for a year in Latin America. And I, I was 
I felt like probably one of my great grandparents, you know, immigrating from a, a background of poverty and, you know, sailing into New York Harbor. It was just so overly dramatized in my head. I said, look at this. Look at all of this. There's so much here. So as, and now if I stay longer than a month, I'll probably start to see the negatives. And, and all of that, that, the things that made me want to leave might start coming back to me. Um, but if you keep it a short trip, it's actually really nice that you can be reacquainted uh, with the positive aspects of your home that you had taken for granted before. Okay. All right. So, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm just thinking back. Uh, I when we sailed around from California through the Panama Canal, and the same thing. We had spent, you know, a yeah. lot of time in in uh, you know remote villages and and so forth. And then yeah. the first place we landed when we got back to the states was Fort Myers. And yeah. I remember Tom and I walking into a Winn Dixie, um, mm. Fort Myers Beach, and it was sensory overload. Um, with respect to everything that was there. I mean, it was, it was really quite an experience. Um, oh, wow. you haven't, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about and just like the variety of choices. Oh yeah. It's just, inc it's incredible how decadent we are in the industrialized world. And how often do you guys now make it back to the U S is that something you do every year or? Uh, well, we were going back. Uh, I was just back in February. I, I went back for about two, a little over two, about two and a half weeks to see my mom. I was in Arizona, um, in uh, Scottsdale for a conference for a little while and then Tucson. And, uh, we, we were going back, we sailed back, uh, once after we moved here, but, um, it's, it's interesting to go back, um, being on this little Island here where, you know, you go, uh, 60 kilometers, you know, max per hour. Yeah. And yeah, I remember we went a couple of years ago, we went back to LA um, and got in, you know, at eight o'clock at night and, you know, flew into LAX and rented a car and jumped on the 405 freeway. And my poor husband, you know, white knuckled at, you know, 80 miles an hour. <laughs> it's dark and all the lights and everything. It was, uh, but, you know, you fall back into it. I mean, you know, we live yeah. in Newport Beach. So, I mean, you fall back into it. But, but mm -hmm. the initial shock is um, sometimes pretty oh, interesting. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Going from Isla Mujeres to Los Angeles, where life is literally, moving faster do you ever get the island fever being there on the on isla uh well not until recently because if you get island fever you just leave right you right. know you got a, a you know 18 minute ferry and you're in cancun and you yeah. know you got costco and home depot and and all that and we bought the car so if we want to go somewhere farther, we, you know, Merida or whatever, we can do that. No, it's actually sort of like being on the boat, except we don't have to worry about our anchor dragging because we can <laughs> have water on both sides of our house here because the island is so narrow. <laughs> so, wow. That's amazing. So we've, That's uh, amazing. we've enjoyed it. I guess island fever is something that people are, are now becoming acquainted with, even if not technically living on an island as the world deals with COVID-19. Right. I mean, we were joking, you know, last week on the, the uh, expat chat uh, thing that, oh, maybe we'll, um, you know, get on the boat and, and sail to a deserted island. And then it was like, oh, but wait, we're already on one. <laughs> <laughs> and it does and it does feel that way, you know, here in the hotel zone in Cancun, where I am. Um, I went I put on my mask yesterday and went on a venture to 
uh, scavenge the wasteland for provisions at the grocery store. And I've never seen such a ghost town for what would otherwise be such a busy, bustling area as in downtown hotel zone Cancun. There's no one here. Uh, I know. Yeah, Tom went over um, to buy cat food and booze. You know, they've cut off booze sales here on the island. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we ran out of beer, so we had a minor emergency that we had to rectify. And then cat That's food. That's a major emergency. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and so he uh, uh, went and got cat food. And yeah, he, he took the little Colectivo bus down to Soriana and, um, yeah. in Centro. And then he couldn't get a bus back. He had to take a taxi back. The police said no, no auto buses, and, wow. and buses were were running to get back to the ferry dock. So, uh, but he said, yeah, it's he's never seen anything like it. So, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things go moving forward. You know, you know, I was talking to a friend earlier today. Uh, my old friend Bill Murphy who was a digital marketing consultant and digital nomad like me, who's hunkering down out in Mexico City through this pandemic quarantine. And he was telling me about his concerns for what the world is going to look like for people like us after all of this. And I think it's something that anyone who has this kind of lifestyle really should be thinking about and, and probably already is. But you know, what will our goals and priorities be in all of this, given the changed climate? And you know, I think a lot of us are going to be really searching for normalcy. And if you have flexibility to do so, you might be looking at the map saying, all right, where am I going to find a place where the cafes are open? Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is that we're also going to have to balance our responsibility as global citizens. And, you know, am I becoming a vector for infection by getting on that plane? You know, is it responsible right. for me to go there? It's going to be a lot to juggle and a lot for us to think about. It's going to be radically changing the way people live this nomad lifestyle you know, in, in yes, many major ways. Absolutely. And, and we've been talking about that too. I, I don't think there is a going back to normal. I think there will be a new normal. And as you said uh, before the break, that I think you're going to be seeing a lot more of this. Um, did you happen to catch the concert last night? Uh, that they, they I, didn't, I did not. It looked like it was a pretty big effort on a part of some major names. It was amazing. I mean, the, the last segment... Um, uh, Celine Dion, Botticelli, um, wow. Lady Gaga, and uh, oh, the the piano player. Um, forgot Billy really Joel. No, no, it was um, concert pianist. Um, anyway, they they were all in four different locations, right? And yeah. did a song together. And I I I was like in tears um, towards the end of it, and I because I could feel the energy. Because here you had these musicians all in remote locations, right? Dialed oh, in to Zoom yeah. or some other platform. And they were all playing the same song together. I mean, like the energy was, I swear, was in the air. It was, it was astounding. Yeah. Uh, and the incredible talent of those performers, because there are plenty of us who, who can't get that kind of synergy with others when we're in the same room. I know if uh, going back to my you know, high school band days, uh, I, I couldn't imagine playing on the other side of the planet from somebody. I, I, I had trouble getting on the same page when we were standing right next to each other. It's amazing. Yeah. And actually, uh, the la uh, Friday's episode of PBS, the last segment, they did the same thing. They uh, actually had musicians, uh, uh, like orchestra, 
I mean, there was, there was many more of them wow. um, perform a, a song and I was just blown away by that. So I, I mean, I think what's interesting, I find interesting is, you know, this technology has been around for a long time. I mean, we've had, it's not like video conferencing is new, but for some reason it just hasn't been utilized to its potential. Yeah. We've yeah. maybe been um, as a global society, even just sort of been stuck in a rut uh, with doing things the way they've always been done rather than um, embracing some of these new uh, ways to communicate and work and, and live. I, I think, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned, I'm actually doing uh, Zumba with my old buddies from Punta Gorda. Um, oh, that's great. Uh, their yacht club got shut down so they can't go there in person. And I still was on the email list for the instructor. Yeah. And so when she sent out the invitation, I said, Oh my gosh, that's great. So we're now doing um, Tuesday, Thursday, Zumba classes together um, on zoom. And that's excellent. I, it's fabulous. I, I, I really like that. So, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that I, I think whenever there's a major challenge like this, there's always opportunity that comes out of it. And I think those of us that have sort of broken the mold and, and gotten into a different way of life and a, a different way of thinking and being are probably going to be stepping up as leaders. I, I hope to, you know, sort of quell the masses that are, are freaking out about, Oh my gosh, you know, what, what are we going to do yeah. and hopefully be able to lead the way and say, Hey, you know, look at the possibilities that you have now. Um, you know, the old saying, God closes one door and opens another. Yeah. And, and I think that's, um, that's what we realize uh, need to realize as a society. And hopefully that brings us all together. It's, but I really felt that last night uh, with the concert, it's like, it took a global pandemic and all of us being isolated together right? <laughs> to bring us together. It's, isolated it's together. I think, I think that's one of the hashtags that's been trending is isolated together. Yeah. But absolutely, people need these kinds of, whether it's entertainment or I've been doing some at-home workouts uh, on video with, uh, with people in other countries and virtual happy hours catching up with you. As we have more of these entertainment uses, the workplace and our standards of how work is conducted certainly need to keep up because telecommuting has been talked about for decades exactly, and it's been possible for decades and it's now even easier than ever with the tools that I use in the course of a day, like Asana, a project management tool, or if you're using Slack or teams to keep in touch, there are so many things that actually will make us more efficient and more productive and really when you look at the numbers of who's able to stay home now and do their job, we get a pretty good case study in this, that about 30% of the workforce doesn't need to be commuting into an office every day. And we think about the benefits that can have for us as individuals and for society. They're tremendous. Just cutting down on a commute, giving people more time to spend with their families or to pursue their interests, or for some of us lunatics, it'll be spent working more. But right. whatever your priorities are, you're freeing up time that's being spent commuting. That's just such a no-brainer. But then the environmental impact of that would be huge. I was um, to, yeah. It'll be better for the planet, better for our air and water, and better for our health. And not to mention saving on you know, the cost of fuel and vehicle maintenance or public transit that we invest heavily in as a society together. And then for the benefit of the employers, the reduction in overhead of no longer needing the technology, the infrastructure, the real estate, we could see American cities 
starting to repopulate their downtown cores with lower cost residential housing in buildings that are no longer needed for offices. There's just so many benefits to the society that it can't be ignored. But you're right that there will have to be leadership to push these employers to see that they have an increase in productivity by people working remotely or telecommuting, as we used to call it. Because I think a lot of what's held this up has been stubbornness. And now the pandemic forced their hand and they're finally starting to see the truth that if they have the right employees and they're working with the right people, they will actually see an increase in productivity by letting people have more freedom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. So uh, kind of brings up a, a question I have for you. So think back uh, to that, that moment where you said, you know, I'm not happy with my life. I got to get out of here. I, I want to go travel. And who you were then and who you are now. And kind of walk us through maybe some of the, the changes that you've recognized um, in, in who you've become. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's really changed for me personally you know, in having these kinds of experiences um, has been uh, an improvement in my ability to see different perspectives um, on some things that I otherwise might have previously been really uh, very closed-minded about. And I know this is, this is the old cliche, right, about travel, opening your mind, and, but it's true. In experiencing other ways of doing things that, as compared to the way that you're used to them being, you, there's no substitute for that. Um, and a lot of it actually ends up falling into the category of, you know, we do this better back home. And, and that's a very easy thing to think about certain things, but it, the point is that it gets you thinking about it. Um, so a big personal change that happens to someone who makes a leap like this, you know, and I hear this from others who have done similar things in their lives, um, is that you start to question things. You don't just accept anything because that's just the way it is. Once you start to see other ways of living, other systems, you go to a country with a broken bureaucracy and you say, I know how you could make this better. <laughs> or you go to some place where they just they do something that's so much better than the way it's done back home. And you say, wow, we really need to catch up with them. It's incredibly eye-opening and it does lead you to question everything. And it makes it hard for you to, you know, really just accept things being the way they are. I think it can really turn you into much more of an optimist and an idealist. And I think that's one of the biggest changes that's happened for me is that I now kind of go through the world saying, why? Mm, Questioning. Uh, But also, you know, there's so so many possibilities. Right. Yeah, there, there are. There are already a lot of possibilities. And I think we have opportunity to create even more. Um, I'm, I've become very passionate about home rule. And I, I wouldn't mind if we had 10 times as many countries in the world, all with their own different rules and regulations. Let people pick and choose wherever it is that they want to go. The mobility and remote work certainly would be important in order to enable that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's something that would occur to me as I travel through different jurisdictions and see the way people do things so differently and um, what kind of effects technology and uh, globalization are going to have on that as the world progresses further into the 21st century. Are we going to continue to have um, the, the idea of kind of these local laws that are intended to serve a population that really isn't representative of who lives there anymore? If you, you know, So uh, there's definitely opportunity for us to craft more of a world that uh, is welcoming of uh, people with various kinds of ideas. I'm excited for that. And it's something that my eyes were really only open to once I got on the plane and started taking a look around. 
Wow. What a gift. That's a, that's a great uh, perspective to have. Um, I think so. Well, good. Well, as we uh, wrap up here, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to share before we close it out? That's always a, a good question. And one that I bring up a lot with, uh, prospects and customers in, in my day-to-day life in sales is, is there, is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Right. Um, but I, I think you, you've hopefully taken kind of the pieces that, uh, will be most helpful to your listeners in my experiences. Um, I don't think that there's anything that's really missing as far as kind of how I've been able to make this work, you know, in, in the motif of sustainable homelessness, um, you know, there are certainly a lot of details that people will need to think about. Um, and those are probably some of the things that I think maybe without us having to get too into depth into them, I would just want to leave listeners with that advice of focus on the details and be planning ahead more than I was doing when I started my travels. Think about how you're going to have reliable internet access. Think about visa restrictions and when you're going to have to leave a place and where you'll go. Think about tax and financial and retirement implications of the decisions that you're making. Um, These are all things that I really very poorly planned for. (laughs) And I just very blessed to, to, to come out of it in decent shape. But there were so many things that could have gone wrong uh, due to my own lack of planning, focus on the details and and uh, don't just chase the dream without you know laying some kind of real critical groundwork for yourself to be able to do this the right way. Cool, and don't be afraid, right? <laughs> certainly don't be certainly don't be afraid. I don't mean to give anyone trepidation about it. I think it's the most important thing that a person will sometimes do in their life is make a huge change to their lifestyle. But just this because the whole idea the seems reckless doesn't mean that your execution podcast has to be. was brought to you ah, by our point. sponsors. Thanks for Very tuning good. in. Did you love this episode of All the right. Overseas Life well, Redesign uh, Podcast? Great Please interview, subscribe Chris. to our show really and leave us a nice review. It's very much a conversation. And we I invite know, you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com and take the Are You Ready for an Overseas Life Relocation Readiness Quiz? Absolutely. I really hope so. It is going to be a different world. I thank you for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. All right.